Good morning and welcome to the Marketing Rocket Fuel Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Just- Drew. <laughs> Drew, you're fresh off a marathon. I know we've got these show notes, we've done uh, all kinds of preparation, but dude, another marathon. Oh my god. How was it? It was it was a, a challenge. Yeah, there were some unique challenges with this one, to be sure. So um, so for those of you who are new to the channel or, or maybe just didn't watch the last episode, uh, go back and watch the ne- the last episode. Um, but um, so I just uh, ran the 25th annual Flying Pig Marathon in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, they they always put on a really great race. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, there were something like 20,000 people running this race this year, um, about 6,000 of us running the full marathon, about the rest of them were running a half marathon. Uh, my buddy Jonathan ran the half marathon. He did fantastic. Um, I'm so proud of him. He finished it in like two hours and 14 minutes, so he did a great job on that. Um, so it was an interesting day, though. So, uh, so early in the morning they texted everybody it was thunderstorming and and they said uh everybody stay in your cars and we're still planning for a 6 30 start time it stopped raining about six o'clock and so we all like headed toward the race uh when uh they started it i mean it wasn't raining and the flames come up on the starting line it's it's really cool i mean they got this pyrotechnics going up and we all lunge forward uh, the first thing you do is run across the Ohio River into Covington, Kentucky, um, and spend uh, spend a little bit of time there, and then come back across. It's about you know the first five k uh, of this race, and if you're if you're keeping track of the math, a uh, uh, full marathon is forty two point two kilometers or twenty six point two miles, um, and uh, so the first five k is kind of your warm up. Um, Cross back across the bridge into the into Ohio, and like as soon as I stepped foot in Ohio, the rain just dropped out of the sky <laughs> in buckets. I mean, it's just thunder, lightning. I think I even saw some hail bouncing off of the pavement, and and just drenching, soul drenching rain. And we're out on the freeway and there's 20,000 of us. So, you know, it's like the only thing you can do is keep on running. Yeah. Uh, so we just kept right on running. Um, it rained for the next three hours. Uh, if you look on the news reports about this thing that, you know, the first picture there is all these people soaked running in the rain. Um, and um, so, it, you know, it slowed us down a little bit, but we kept right on going and um about mile 22, I texted my my family who was keeping up with me. I said, I'm not going to lie. This rain is really starting to suck. <laughs> and about that time, it finally stopped raining. The sun did not come out, but at least it stopped raining. My um, finished in four hours and 56 minutes. Uh, so, and I, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I got my medal. So there, there it is. Got Fantastic. my flying pig medal. Uh, they put out a, one of the best medals in a race, too. I mean, this is a really great medal here. Um, but when they put that on me, I was like, I can't take any more weight. But right. Well, um, it's uh, we were talking about it in the pregame. It's it's not the race. It's, right. it's the preparation you got to get through. And the race, right. the is, race is, is the reward. reward. Yeah. 
The race is the thing. And that's what you keep telling yourself when you're running that too. It's like, this is the reward. This is the thing that you've trained for. Right. And so, so now you're getting to run this race. It's not, <laughs> oh, I have to run this race. Right. I get to run this race. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with all the rain and everything, it was a joy to run. I, um, I loved it. I had a great time. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still walking. Obviously, I'm at a standing desk right now. So, you know, um, I, you know, well, that's I how die. you know, that's how you know you train properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've known folks that, sort of are nonchalant about their training and they try to get it, get, get, get oh. through it and they're losing toenails and they, they're not. Uh, upright I still have weeks. all my toenails. Very good. Um, we don't, um, we won't show that on the podcast. So yeah. Oh um. my gosh. My, <laughs> I took off my shoes and my feet looked like they were a hundred years old because oh, they were yeah. sopping wet and, oh, it was, it was just like, oh my gosh. But, so real, you know, quick, real quick, Drew, what, what, um, what is the motivation for you? to train and do a marathon? Is it just the challenge? Is it, is it just uh, accountability to, to stay running? What, what is that? And then we'll move well, on I, to I'll what we're you, really the, talking the thing about. That, the thing that got me started running, um, and I started running in my mid forties, um, about eight years ago now, um, maybe, gosh, yeah, about eight years ago now, I was in the process of adopting our daughter. Um, and I was, uh, working from home, sitting at my desk all day, eating junk food. I had no energy. Um, I just didn't feel like doing anything. I just didn't feel like it. Um, and, um, I could barely get up and walk around the block and it hit me one day, bam, I'm about to adopt a toddler. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to adopt a toddler? I can't even get up and walk around a block. Um, and so i just made a decision. I was going to make a small change in my life. And so I got up and on my lunch breaks, I started walking around the block, just got up and started walking. Um, and as I did that, I found that I felt a little bit better. And, and, um, and, and so gradually I, you know, walked further and then I started, started jogging some of it. And then I started jogging further. And, um, and then finally, um, uh, I heard about uh, some 5K races that were for charities supporting kids and stuff like that. And I said, you know, this is something I can get behind. And it's a it's a goal that I can set. Um, you know, uh, I listen to James Clear's Atomic Habits. And, uh, you know, he talks about starting his, your habits really small and all that. And he kind of de-emphasizes that goal. But for me, setting a goal out ahead of me as a real motivator to keep up with my habits once I've got them established and, right. and to keep getting better at those habits. And so if I set that goal and, and for the, for several years, I just did five Ks and I was happy with that. But, um, as I, when I was, uh, 49, um, actually when I was 48, I, I said, you know what, in a couple of years, I'm going to be 50 years old. And I really think I can do better. Um, and I want to do something better. And so I set a goal for myself. I had never run a 10K. Um, and so I said, you know, this summer I want to run a 10K when, you know, before the year's out. I want to run a half marathon uh, before I'm 50. And I want to run a marathon when I'm 50. And I figured that was a good spread out training uh, to kind of get me there. And after I ran the Charlotte Marathon, um, and got that 
cramp at mile 17 and had to mm-hmm. walk the rest of it, I was not satisfied. I was like, no, I, I felt like I cheated myself out of the, out of that victory. Um, I still crossed the finish line, but I did not feel good about that at all. And so I said, you know what, I I'm doing this again. I want to, I want to do one where I can run the whole way. Right. Um, and so that's what I did in Cincinnati. I ran the whole way, um, you know, sometimes running a lot slower <laughs> than others, some, some strategic uh, fast walks in there, but, um, but you know, that that's really my motivation. It started with my daughter, Devki. Um, but I got into it to be able to be there for my family. But uh, now, you know, training for a marathon takes up a lot of time, takes yeah. up a lot of effort. And so I'm going to back off on that now because my daughter's at the place where she wants to start running some. Um, and if you know anything about the backstory of my daughter, she has cerebral palsy. She had her legs rebuilt. Uh, and uh, now she plays soccer. Um, and last year I ran the Christmastown 5K in McCaddenville, North Carolina. And she said, I want to do this with you. But, uh, you know, she she hadn't trained or anything like that. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you train with me and we'll do this next year. So we're both registered for her first 5K in November. Oh, wow. And so that's really where I'm going to focus my efforts here uh, over the next uh time period so fantastic well drew congratulations well well done anybody that has um done a marathon and finished a marathon knows uh that it's uh, not while you're out there by yourself it does take a lot of support so congratulations to you and your family and looking forward to hearing about your training uh with the 5k coming up in november but not but and when <laughs> before we get to the overarching theme of this episode, I know because um, everybody out there wants to know what a web developer is, right? Which is which is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. You um, uh, dropped into the show notes uh, this sort of breaking story about uh, YouTube and. And I'm, I'm going to let you jump into it, and then I'm going to give my thoughts. Right. So, th- so there's a there's a phenomenon happening on on YouTube right now, and it and it's uh, it's been happening for a while, but it's been building and it's kind of coming to a head right now. And um, you know, if you if you look at our numbers, we are a very small creator with tens of followers as of this recording, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, we don't use this podcast to make our living. Uh, we use this podcast to help educate you guys on on information, help educate business owners on uh, on things that you can do to help your business. And and because this is not our main business, I, I own a marketing agency and that's my main business. That's how I earn my living. I don't basically get anything from this other than being able to sit with Michael and, and talk about <laughs> something that we love. Um but uh, a lot of small creators, maybe single people or maybe small teams of creators, they make their whole living on YouTube and they work really hard on their videos and uh, it takes a lot of effort. Some of these videos take hundreds of hours of, of editing and, and they do tons of research to put these things together. Um, but what's happening right now is there are some larger creators, um, largely content farms that are coming in and are are 
trolling these smaller creators with uh, copyright and plagiarism strikes that are unwarranted, but they still have to go fight. And they're basically a lot of these smaller creators, they don't have the ability to fight and to, and to come back. And, and it essentially shuts their channels down Mm. at the same time. These content farms are stealing content from these smaller creators and using it in their own videos. Uh, Sometimes the scripts are read verbatim, like word for word. Um, often not credited at all. Um, Sometimes they're taking clips and and things like that. Um, And so it's a really disturbing trend that that we're seeing on YouTube right now. And I'm sure this is happening on some other platforms, but YouTube is just the the most popular one. And and what uh, my concern with this as a small creator um, is that, you know, people who are out here trying to help somebody and we are actively trying not to plagiarize, not to use copyrighted content, not to do anything to get strikes. We're just trying to get our message out here um, are being punished and have no recourse while large content farms that are bringing in lots of revenue for YouTube are not getting punished for, for trolling these, these small creators and mm. for um, for really ruining these people's lives. And I think it's a, it's a very disturbing trend. Now I will go on record and say, I am not for anybody using anybody else's copyrighted content uh, other than, you know, fair use as is stipulated in the law where you're, where you're doing commentary on it or you're doing parody of it and things like that, you know, and I'm not a lawyer. This is hashtag not legal advice. <laughs> all, all of those things, but it's really disturbing to me to see that. And there's a couple of videos that I'm going to link to in the description here um, that are really well-spoken on this. Um, one of them in particular uh, was just put out by a channel called nerd sync. Um, and um, you know, I watch him because I'm a nerd. Uh, but more than that, he's really got a lot of good things to say, um, some good good commentary and good takes on things. And he put out a really good video. Scott over there put a, put out a great video that I think everybody should watch about this situation. But there's another channel that I want you guys to support called Magnates Media. And this is one that's currently under fire. And he puts out these long-form documentaries that he pours his heart and soul into. Mm. Uh, they're really, really great, informative, well-put-together documentaries. And uh, and there's a large channel that's trolling him right now, trying to shut him down over a few seconds of footage that they said is similar to something that they did. Mm using a public domain image. Um, and, and so is, so if you, and I'll link to them in the description too. go support that speak out, uh, let your voice be heard on things like that, support small creators and support real copyright, uh, um, 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 enforcement, not this, this, crazy trolling. Um, these, these people have found a way through the YouTube system to be able to, cause YouTube has kind of like a three strikes you're out kind of thing. Uh, you get three, three plagiarism strikes and they will just delete your channel. And so 
that's what's kind of happening here where people are getting their channels deleted uh, by no fault of their own before they can actually know what to do about it. Um, and so I would encourage you go support, go support smaller creators and, you know, you're going to get different takes from these smaller creators anyway. So um, go find people that are doing some new and unique things and don't just watch the same five minute crafts videos every day. Um, uh, I'm, don't get me started on five minute crafts. But. <laughs> well, so um, my quick take on this, and then we'll get to uh, the core of our discussion today about what is a web developer. Um, <clears throat> folks, brace yourself. Um, because this is, this is, this is the dark side of AI. I, I truly believe, I, I think what's happened is they've got some AI agent that's scrubbing YouTube or something looking for keywords. And then, um, and they're, they're targeting folks that do videos like them. Uh, and then they're going to try to shut them down at the same time doing the same thing to these creators that they are claiming that those creators are doing to them. So right. just brace yourself. There's going to be more and more of this. Uh, it's going to be harder and harder to have your message ring through the noise and with, and uh, be found, which is why it's so important uh, to be number one, uh, consistent, uh, consistent branding, consistent messaging um and just stay the course you know that this is this is not uh a new thing it's just going to be more per pervasive so just hang in there if you are a marketer or looking for help with marketing um you're going to see more and more of this um and just uh, keep doing the right thing keep doing uh keep taking the high road uh mm -hmm. and it'll it'll all shake out in the end so well drew after that long <laughs> intro and banter well we had we had a lot to say there before we, had, we got to the to the absolutely. main point uh, <laughs> <laughs> so but uh, what you is... know I'm, I'm hoping that that people actually tuned in and and hear that part because it's it's really important and even if we did a podcast about nothing else but that yeah um you know it's a really important thing that that people need to be aware of i think so all right drew let's get to it what is a web developer? Sometimes a web developer. Sort of a bad word, but uh, in some, because people don't know what it is, so they tend to demonize it and, and think it's one thing and when it's really not. So what is a, a web developer? Okay, so um, a web developer, and this may seem like blatantly obvious, <laughs> somebody... Who creates websites? Okay, but it's a little bit more than that because, you know, anybody can go online right now and make a website using like Wix or Squarespace or, or WordPress or something, something along that lines. Anybody can go on and make a website. Um, a web developer is a little bit more advanced than that. They are people who can actually put together websites or maybe they use a platform like WordPress to to put together the pieces of a website, but in a way that actually works in a way that um, that functions well, that works well for the people visiting the site, whether they're on desktop, mobile or tablet. Um, 
and in a way that helps your business, helps communicate the message and and gets people to do the actions that you want them to do when they visit that website. And so the purpose of a website is different for, for lots of different businesses. And so it's not all a one size fits all. Now, a lot of people, um, especially smaller businesses and, and individuals, um, they will they see advertisements. Oh, well, hey, I can go make a website for twenty five dollars a month and and uh, I'm good to go. And um, and then they make this website and they wonder why their business didn't take off. Um, and that's because you didn't actually use a web developer who understands how websites are supposed to work and and how how these things happen, how these things are supposed to happen to make your business successful. And so that's kind of the difference between um, a web developer and, you know, somebody who can who can um, sign up for a program. Um, now there's another distinction in there and it's a term that you may hear quite a bit is web designer. Um, because there's people who design websites aren't always the people who make the websites. Um, sometimes web designers are graphic designers who specialize in creating designs specifically for the web. Um, and a good web designer is going to be somebody who can uh, who can create designs that that um, work on desktop. Then they then they can take that same design and and manipulate it to how it's supposed to work on a mobile device, um, or vice versa. You know, a lot of times we start with the mobile device first because and it depends again on the business, but we'll start with the mobile device first and then expand that to the desktop version. Um, and a good web designer, they may not know a, how to code anything, but they they know how things are supposed to work. They know right. where the button's supposed to be and what's supposed to happen when somebody clicks the button. And so just kind of a real quick, you know, s small um, explanation of those. That's That's kind of what that is. And then there's another level that's more like an application programmer. Um, and this could be like literally for apps on your phone, or it could be for websites that are highly customized in their functionality, things that do a specific thing. Like a, like the Canva website, for example, is an application, um, and, it's, and it's programmed by a team of programmers. Um, and so that's kind of that next level up. And so... Um, I'm just going to keep stick with Canva as an example there. They've got a team of designers who design the interface, who design the thing that you see. They've got a team of programmers that um, um, programmers probably for specifically for the layout. And then they've got a team of application programmers who program all that back end functionality. And so those are much, much deeper levels. But most of the people looking at this podcast are probably not massive companies like Canva. Um, they are more likely you may be a uh, one or two person show. You may be a small business with up to like 200 employees, but um, but you're probably not a massive corporation watching this video. And and that's not who we're focusing on anyway. So for websites that are for for this size company, for small to mid-sized businesses, um, you're probably going to be looking more for a web designer slash developer 
to be able to create your company's website. And so um, that's kind of the, the three levels, but uh, a lot of times the, the agency or the person that you're working with to create your website, a lot of times it's going to be one person. Maybe it's a small team of people um, if you're working with an agency, um, but it's generally not going to be like a, an entire floor full of people. Um, like way back in the day, I worked on the Lowe's.com website and we had 200 people on our floor all working on the same website. Um, right. And, you know, I, I remember we would get comments and every now and then from from people who didn't understand that there's a lot of people working on this thing. <laughs> and they're like, can you get your web guy to make this thing different on the website? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like like there was like one person one sitting dude. there controlling the entire you know multi-billion dollar e-commerce enterprise there um so um michael did you have anything you wanted to add to that kind of definition because i know you have some different takes on this yeah so you know it's sort of like um it's sort of like uh, when somebody says soda right um, you know, there's all types of soda. There's diet soda. There's, um, there's brand name soda. There's soda, um, you know, store, store generic soda. Um, Down here we have sun drop. Exactly. Right. And mm -hmm. so when somebody says I need a web developer, they just, they just mean somebody to work on, on something on the internet for them. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's like back in the day, if you could set up a router in your office, then you were the IT guy. Right. Um, if you knew, remember the days of when when you could like um, figure out Outlook, and and then you were the email guy, and then the email guy right. became the marketing guy, and then the marketing mm -hmm. guy automatically became the web the website person. That's well, right. And and that train goes backwards too. Yeah. You know, there there was this thinking that if you knew how to make a website, you knew how to to wire the entire network at the Absolutely. company. Yeah. Um and yep. and this is an important distinction and I want everybody to hear this very clearly. <laughs> Your web developer is not an IT person. No. If you have an IT person making your website, stop that like right now. Just just stop. They're not helping your business. You may think they're helping your business. They are not. Do not do that anymore. Just stop <laughs> that right now. All right. And so it, you know, um, that's not to that's not downplay IT people. IT right. people are extremely necessary. I am yes. not an IT person. And I need an IT person. <laughs> I need an IT department. Um and and I guess, slight segue, why don't IT people make good web designers? Well, it's because IT people tend to think much more with the left side of their brain. This is my left over here. Um, much more with the left side of their brain. And they are much more focused on the logistics of making something efficient, making something work uh, but they are much less focused on the emotional intelligence that comes from right-brained creativity um, 
much less focused on those things that make people buy, those things that make people take action. And that's why IT people don't make good web designers. They don't make good web developers. They make good backend server managers. They make really good, you know, company networkers. They can fix your computer. I can't fix your computer. I will break your computer if I try to fix it. Um, and that's a big distinction. I remember early on when I first started this company, I had a client who was really enthusiastic about us, but he kept introducing me as his computer guy. And I took him aside and I said, never say that again. <laughs> I literally told him, do not introduce me as your computer guy. I do not know how to fix computers. I don't want to fix computers. I don't want to do that as a career. I am your marketing guy. I am your marketing company. Do not ever call me a computer guy. <laughs> well, I, I, I use computers I in my this. business. Yeah. It's a necessary part of what we do. I have an iPad. I have a. I have a <laughs> phone. I have a. I have MacBooks and and all this stuff. But that doesn't mean that I'm a computer guy. It means these are the tools of my trade. Just like a carpenter doesn't necessarily know how to make a hammer. Right. You know. Right. So. I, all right. Enough, I, enough I, of that soapbox there. <laughs> well, I say all this in. in and before we go to types of websites and ways to make a website, um, there is there needs to be a healthy tension between a designer and the designer part of your website and the developer part of your website. Um, mm -hmm. The developer part of your website that just that means that it needs to conform with best practices on the way a website needs to be built, the way it needs to be crawled, the way. Uh, it's going to interact with other websites. That all needs to be tight. And the design right. part, it needs to be pretty. You know, we eat with our eyes first, mm -hmm. right? So, and those two things sometimes causes a little bit of tension. Now, if you've got a team, there's, I, I want, I want, I want there to be a healthy tension there because one, mm -hmm. the designer piece is going to push the developer piece. And these two things need to work in tandem. Uh, I'm a big right. conversion they, guy. They cannot they, be mutually exclusive right. of each other. I'm a big conversion they, guy. I, I the, mm -hmm. the, the designer sometimes wants to make it pretty, but it won't convert. Uh, mm -hmm. and then the guy, the, your web guy, uh, wants to make sure it works, but then it gets to be ugly and then it's not going to convert. So something needs right. to happen there to where you maximize conversion on your website. This is, a way for me to segue over to the different types of websites because <laughs> your conversions for these different types of websites are going to be different. So uh, in our notes, Drew, we've got different types of websites. This is not going to be an exhaustive list, but we've no, got no. a brochure website, a lead generating uh, website, e-commerce, and then advanced applications. Drew, uh, and for the sake of time, which websites do you and your team primarily focus on? We primarily focus at Escape Plan. We primarily focus on brochure and lead generation type of websites, uh, websites that are highly informative, that are really um, search optimized, um, that have a, a lot of information on them, um, but they're not necessarily retail websites where you're always purchasing the product directly on the website. Sometimes, sometimes they do, but 
um, we got away from making a lot of e-commerce websites. Um, by the way, e-commerce basically is where where a transaction is fully processed right. on the website. So if you're buying software, if you're buying a subscription, if you're buying a product, that's an e-commerce website. Um, and advanced applications, we just don't do them. We, we don't have the the team here to do that kind of advanced thing. And, and honestly, I don't want to because we are storytellers here. Right. We are here to get your company's story out there so that people know who your company is and want to do business with you. And so that's why we go back and we do these brochure and lead generation websites. Now in the show notes, I put an asterisk next to lead generation yeah, because really that. every website should be a lead generation website. Yeah, let me jump in here uh, real it, quick on that. Yeah, um, I, and and watch that piece that of um, audio and video that Drew just said. Every website should be a lead generating website. Right. Just just let that soak in, because if your website, and I'm looking right at you, Mister Business Owner, if your website is not generating leads for your business, then you need to call someone like Drew. Like if you cannot point to a lead and draw a straight line back to either some engagement that came from your website, a form fill, a content download, then something Mm -hmm. is broken. We're in 2023. I don't care if you are painting walls, installing carpet, mowing lawns, picking up trash, washing cars, anything. If your website is not generating those leads in a way to where you can track it, please get some help because you are number one, wasting money on a website. And number two, not maximizing your marketing dollar. That's all. That's right. That's, that's absolutely right. Because, um, I, it's, it's amazing to me. I, I, I look at, I look at websites every day of my life. It's, 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 you know, live and breathe websites. And although my company does a lot more than websites, it's, it's what got me started in this business in the first place. I mean, I started building websites back in 1996 and, um, and, and I'll full disclosure. I don't code anymore. I don't, you know, my son is a computer science engine or computer science major, uh, in college. And, uh, we were talking about this. We just, he went with me to the marathon and, and we were talking about this on the road trip and, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't coded anything in years. I, I probably couldn't even do it anymore, but I build websites every day. Um, and that's something that I still do as the CEO of my company. I still have a very hands-on approach to building the websites because it's one of my favorite things to do in the business. But with that, it amazes me how many websites are neglected, how many websites um, aren't focused on trying to get a conversion. They they don't have the tools on there even to make it easy for somebody to do business with you. Right. You know, if somebody can't fill out the form on their phone, or if there's no form there to begin with, you know, how are people going to do business with you? Uh, that's just putting up a barrier, putting up a wall to somebody doing business with you. Um, and, and it just amazes me how many websites are not focused on that at all. How many websites act like they don't want to hear from you. <laughs> and, and it's like, you've yeah. got to be able to, you want the whole purpose is 
to show somebody who you are as a company, not just not just what products I sell, but who is your business? Who are you? And then give them the opportunity to connect with you. And your web presence in 2023 is not just your website either. It's your website. It's your social media presence. It's your Google business listing. It's your Bing business listing. Uh, even even though a lot of people are like, oh, is that still a thing? Yeah, Bing's kind of coming back right now. Um, <laughs> is, I'm not going to go into that. Um, but um, it's all of these pieces that work together for your web presence and your web team should understand these things that everything has to work together. And the whole purpose is to help build your business. If your web presence isn't helping to build your business, you've got to make a change. And that doesn't mean every web designer is going to get it all perfect. And if they don't get everything perfect the first time that you should fire them. Um, now, if they totally botch it, fire them. Come hire a skate plan. But um, but if, you know, a lot of times, you know, you've got to be making changes and you have to evolve over time. If you look at the escape plan marketing website, I'll just use myself as an example. Um, if you saw this site in 2017, it is a very, very different website than it is right now. And in a couple of months, it's going to be a different website than it is now. Uh, because it evolves over time, it continuously evolves. Uh, we're about to, we're actually in plans right now to add some new things, some actual e-commerce possibility to our website. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, um, but uh, to help make the process easier for smaller businesses, actually, to get some benefit out of us. We've talked a lot about how we work with mid-sized companies you know, in the, in the one to $50 million range, but we're actually putting in some programs now for some of those smaller businesses, the one or two person shows that just need help because it's the right. most common question I get asked at networking events. Um, enough of that. I'm not just here to self promote. Um, <laughs> well, I do want to, I, I do want to move off of the types of websites we've established mm -hmm. Um, what a web developer and sort of the different flavors of web developers are. Uh, we've gone over the types of websites. Let's wrap up the conversation. Um, and uh, while it's here, uh, we, we've done a whole episode about ways to make a website. But just mm -hmm. for review, right. there's the DIY websites, you know, Wix, Squarespace, Shopify. Mm -hmm. um, there's the freelance DIY. There's the WordPress. kid next door. That's right. That's th th this kid next door. Um, WordPress templates, WordPress custom design, and then advanced program, like fully customized websites. This dovetails and, and we'll, we'll drop the link for that episode in right. the show notes. But all that being said, I went over one, two, three, four, five, there's many other ways to make a website. Heck, uh, by the years end, you could probably speak one into existence with some AI tool. <laughs> um, but when, when should you outsource this effort? We've just gone over. We've just mm -hmm. um, we've we've just preached about the importance of a website. We've just preached about how it's got to be generating leads, but when, 
when should the business owners that you want to reach, Drew, when should they outsource this, what we've established as a uh, important linchpin in their business? When does that happen? Right. For and them? I'm going to say some things that, that might be a little bit uh, controversial and shocking here. Ruffle some feathers, um, brother. But uh, when you're just starting a business, you've got a new idea. Maybe you're just a, you're a solopreneur. You're working out of your garage. You got something new. You know, go on to Wix or Squarespace or something and make make something. Because the reality is that if you're going to get a good, solid business website, it's going to cost you anywhere from from five thousand to fifteen thousand dollars to really get something good made. OK, um, we tend to come right around the middle of that range. Now, there are companies that will charge you one hundred thousand dollars to make a website and they just think that they're all that in a bag of chips. And honestly, you're not going to get a better website for that than you are going to be working with a boutique agency that's going to be able to create something for that five to fifteen thousand dollar range. But if you're just starting out, especially if you're doing this as a side hustle or something like that, make your own website. I mean, by all means, make a website. And if it's ugly, if it's if it's not great, if you're not a designer, that's okay. Make something, start getting the word out, and then don't just leave it. That's the that's the key. Keep evolving that over time. And as your business grows, as you grow your business, eventually you're going to get to the point where you need somebody else to manage this. Okay. That's the point where you need to be outsourcing it. Or if you're just not getting anything, you don't know how, and you've got some budget there to start something, then look at outsourcing that. But you don't want to spend your entire marketing budget, which is generally about eight to 10% of what you're expecting for your gross revenues. Um, you don't want to spend all of your marketing budget just on building the website because you got to have something left over to actually promote. Um, and so you want to make sure that you're being smart about that. Now, if you've got some financing behind you and all that, and you've got that set out and you, and you're, you're understanding that this is an investment for the future, by all means outsource right away. I call, call me today. Um, but, um, but if you're a, Growing or mid-sized business, you should definitely be outsourcing your website. Um, and here's why. Outsourcing your website to an agency, especially a boutique type agency, a smaller agency, is going to save you so much money versus hiring somebody in-house full-time to do this. Even if you hire them as a junior employee right out of college, you're going to spend more money on that employee than you are going to be outsourcing this to a boutique agency. Um, typically, um, when you're hiring a skate plan, you're going to be spending anywhere from $36,000 to $100,000 in a year over the course of a year when you hire us for our programs. Okay. So if you think about what it costs to hire, train an employee to buy all their equipment and you still have to buy all the subscriptions and you're probably still going to have to outsource some stuff. It's going to cost you a lot more to hire that full-time employee than it is to outsource to an agency. And that's the point where you need to be doing it. And if you're a million dollar company, then you should have that marketing budget set aside 
that 8% of your gross sales set aside to put to put towards marketing. And, and a good portion of that needs to go towards outsourcing to an agency. And then a portion of that uh, and then another portion needs to go towards your pay-per-click and, and you know the other expenses that go with marketing. And so that's the point where you really need to be outsourcing that. Now, if you're a really large company, if you are, um, you know, like a $500 million company or something like that, you should have your in-house web team. You should have a team of people at your business that are making your website. And you should either out, either that or outsource it to a really large agency, a Madison Avenue type agency. Um, and, and that's not who Escape Plan is. We're a boutique agency. And so we work with small to mid-sized businesses. And so that's at the point where you should outsource your website. Um, if you just don't know how to use these tools that we've mentioned before, um, and you're just starting out in business, that's the perfect time to learn because you're learning so much right now. Your brain should be in learning mode in that first year of your business. But if you just like, you know, this is not what my business is about. I've got to spend time doing this. Then get somebody to help you with those smaller tools, uh, those Wix, the Squarespace to get your website up and running. Is it going to be the massive, great website that you imagine your business is going to be in 10 years? No, it's not. And that's something that you need to understand. And one of the reasons that we tend to encourage micro businesses, and that's not a, that's not a, you know, derogatory term. That's what the SBA classifies a small business as. I'm a micro business. Um, we encourage a lot of micro businesses to do this yourself because it helps you understand what all goes into it. And honestly, micro businesses tend to nickel and dime their web designers because they don't understand the difficulty and the challenge and, and what it takes to actually make this thing. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into making a website. And it's not just uh, snapping your fingers and adding 10 pages to something. It takes work. It takes You have to have people who lay things out. You have to have people who edit photos. You have to have people who create graphics. You have to have people who write the copy. You can't you can just have ChatGPT write the copy, but you're going to be able to tell ChatGPT wrote the copy. And it's really good. It's really good at writing copy. I use ChatGPT quite a bit to help me write emails. But I always, always, always have to edit those emails. I, I can't think of a single instance where I've just copied and pasted something from ChatGPT that went out to production. That doesn't happen. And so there's always somebody who has to do that stuff. There's work that goes into this and those people need to be paid for their work. And as a micro business owner, you cannot expect if you're paying a company $25 a month to host your website, uh, if you don't know what website hosting is, go Google it. Um, <laughs> if you're paying $25 a month to somebody to host your website, that does not include them updating the content of your website. If you're paying a company $135 a month to run your security updates and and make sure your site is not hacked and, and things like that, that still does not cover typically like the content that people can see on the front of your website. That makes sure your website stays up and doesn't get hacked. 
And so you need to understand what the costs are involved with that. And that's where doing it yourself when you're at the very early stages of your business can be highly beneficial. But if you just can't do that, hire a freelancer, an individual freelancer to help you with that. Because they're, uh, frankly, they're going to be a lot less expensive than hiring a boutique agency. But once you get to that next stage where you're starting to grow and you and you really need somebody to manage this, you need to hire an agency for that because one person's not going to be able to do it. So my answer is going to be way shorter than yours. Not that I don't agree with what you said about when to pull the trigger on this, but hear me, hear me out here. The moment you have marketing budget, the moment, the moment that that is a line item in your business you should work on firing yourself as your marketing person and go and find somebody to partner up with, whether it's for your website, your social media, your branding, whatever it is. Because the moment you can get that out from underneath you, you could start doing the things that as a leader and a business owner, only you can do, which is working working on your business. So that's that's when I say the when moment should happen is the moment it's a line item act on it outsource it or hire in-house i don't care what you do but there's not a successful business that i've worked with whether they hired me as a consultant or as their marketing person um that the the ceo or the leader is doing it themselves it just doesn't exist you you just can't do it for goodness sake Marketing agencies need marketing agencies. That's That's how important this is to get out from underneath you, outsource it, hire from within, stop doing stuff that you're not good at and get it into the hands of somebody that is good at it. All right, Drew. And I can speak to this too, because I own a marketing agency and we have a social media team. We have graphic designers. We have copywriters. We have people like just what it takes to put together this podcast. I mean, this is a small part of our marketing efforts uh, in in this podcast. And so I've got Michael as my co-host and editor. I've got Jennifer who's creating the graphics. I've got uh, another Jennifer that's writing the copy and writing the blog posts. And, you know, or we've got all these people that are working together. I've got an entire team of people that are working on our social media. Um, And all of those things work together. Uh, Me as the CEO, yes, I'm a very hands-on CEO still, but the more, the the further down the road I get with my business, the less hands-on I am with those things because I have to do CEO things. I have to run my business. And, um, you know, when we say, okay, yeah, build your own website, that's kind of when you're in the garage stage of what you're doing. You know, you're working out of your garage. You're just figuring it out. You maybe haven't figured out who your audience is. Maybe you haven't figured out exactly how your product's going to work or what your processes is. That's when you should be doing it yourself. When you start moving forward, when you start uh, looking at yourself and saying, I'm a real business, that's when you need somebody to be working on your website. All right, Drew, uh, so that uh, we can let, CEOs and leaders and business owners who are listening to this or watching this get back to CEO things. Uh, let's wrap things up. What's what's one thing, uh, our action tip of the episode, 
Uh, what's one thing that we are challenging or asking uh, anybody listening or watching this to do this week before we see them again? What I would encourage you to do is go take a look at your own company website, whether you built it, whether you've got some guy in your company building it, whether you got the kid next door building it, whoever built it, go in, take a look at your website and not just looking at it from a visual aesthetic, although certainly do that. Look at it and make sure it makes your company look trustworthy. It communicates who you are. But also, is it converting? Is it is it bringing you leads? Is it doing what you need it to do to help your company be successful? Look at those things. Um, if you if you don't know, even know what to look for, um, reach out to, to us. Go to... Um, Go to escapeplanmarketing.com slash discovery, and you can book a discovery call with me. Um, you'll actually talk to me. Woohoo! I, I know. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but uh, book a discovery call with me, and, uh, and we'll talk about uh, you know, what we could possibly do with that. Um, but, um, but yeah, take a look at your website and just ask yourself, is this doing what I need it to do? And what will it take to get me to where I need it to go? Fantastic. Well, Drew, um, the next time that we see each other, <laughs> you are not going to be there. Correct? I will not so be let's, let's give a little in teaser. this office That's right. the next time we do a podcast. Right. Let's give a little teaser on that, what we're going to be talking about, and then close us out with what we are asking folks to do. We're going to give you a little action item. We always do it, but this time... Mm -hmm. We really mean it. Just kidding. Drew, we're, we'll give it a little teaser and then we'll let people. Okay. Go. So if you've been on our Instagram channel, I mean, if you look at a, look us up at escape plan, MKG is our Instagram handle, uh, or you can just do a search for visit earth. One of the things that we set out to do in our business and what we encourage our business, the business owners that we work with to do is get out there and visit the planet you live on. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so we do travel tips for aliens on our Visit Earth Instagram channel, and we take uh, pictures and videos of real humans doing real things that you could actually do. And next month, we're going to be out filming some of that content in an exotic location that you could actually go visit if you're if you're running your business and you're and you've got a good proper work-life balance. You've got somebody helping you with your marketing and things like that. We want to help CEOs spend more time on the beach and less time in their factories. Um, so that's the teaser I'm going to put on next month's podcast. Uh, you're going to get to see some of the stuff that we, we are shooting while we're in that location. I'm not even going to tell you where it's at yet. Um, but, uh, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about why that's, important for you to do as the CEO of your company as well. Drew, um, obviously, if you've made it this far in the episode, thank you. Uh, don't forget to hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what we're doing so we can do it better. Always good spending the morning with you, Drew. Have a wonderful time. Safe travels to uh, across the border, and uh, we will see you you next time all right peace and life peace and long life <laughs>